The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me as always, as co-host, we've got Fishing Rick. Macca, how you going, mate? Mate, fantastic. How you going? Oh, oh very excited. Pretty excited? Special guest coming on once again, like PAFC royalty, and he always boosts our figures when, when Tim comes on, so it makes <laughs> me feel better. That's it. You've just spoiled the intro there, but good on you. That's all right. <laughs> tonight, tonight, we've got a very, very special guest. And I think we can all agree his last appearance on the podcast was indeed the most popular we've done so far. He knows all about finals because he played. Uh, he both played captain and coached the Port Adelaide Footy Club in them. Welcome back, Timmy Ginever. Oh, thank you very much, guys. And uh, yes, I mean, um, the numbers went up because uh, I'm from a very big family. That's why. Simple as that. That's why your numbers go up. I can double the crowd straight away. Good stuff. Now, you played in seven premierships. You captained three of them. Um, does this time of the year still get your blood pumping? Oh, there's no doubt about it. How good was the weather last week when it all dried up? And uh, I think it was on the Friday we had about 22 degrees. And I just walked around Alberton and they just cut the grass. And I'm telling you, if you could bottle that stuff and put it in a perfume bottle, um, that many blokes would buy it because it's the best smell ever. And it's finals. It means finals. And, yes, it's the time now they where I can't play anymore, of course. But I, I certainly do get rolled out to a few footy clubs to talk about finals. <laughs> and uh, it's a great time of year. And it, it always brings it back to me. And I feel like I'm in the change rooms coming to, to prepare for another one. And it's just a great time of year. And I end up sitting down and counting them um, and working out, how many I actually played in? I actually played in 33 wow. finals games. So that's, uh, gee, what, what for, for some people, a season and a half. Yeah. Absolutely. For some people, that's a whole career. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, it was a you know, really blessed time. And, of course, you, you win and lose some of those, but we won the majority of them and a really good time, really good time. What would be you your favourite really... final that you played in? Ooh. Um, I, I think if, if, if you're not talking a grand final, um, had, had a, a few of those, but I don't think you can go past that 96 prelim. And, and the reason for it was basically that everybody thought we were dead and buried. And you know, I distinctly remember it because of the the moment the crowd had a lull. And, and I remember running back to the centre, Nord had just got another goal. And I think they were like 23 points up around about that. And, I just felt the lull in the crowd and I looked at the clock and remember yelling out to centre-half back, centre-half forward and the two wings. I just yelled out, there's time, there's time, boys. Next centre clearance, there's time. And, you know, what you do is, I suppose, as a, an experienced player. And then I watched Donald Dickey, who was on the wing for Nord, and he ran and he went behind the square. And I thought, that's a bit unusual. And then the ball bounced, we got the clearance. It went straight to Donald. And I remember Donald picking it up and he looked straight ahead and then he looked left and he went bang and he kicked it straight at the boundary line. And then I knew <laughs> the mindset had changed and I just started screaming, we got them, I told you, look at this, they're panicking, they're going defensive. And then it only took the one goal to get the momentum swinging and away we were going. And of course, it, it all comes down to that massive crescendo when Scott Hodges gets the in back free kick, which is more than there. A lot of people used to debate it, but gee, you watch it these days and you think, the bloke might have got two weeks these days. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes back and, of course, slots the, the miracle goal. So that that was probably my my favourite uh, minor final, if you like, not 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 being a GF. Mm. I still always go back to the 94 grand final, though. I just thought that was an amazing game, amazing comeback. And, uh, you know, all the players were so, so hard and just put their bodies on the line. And I just I was watched the replay last year, actually, and... I didn't. I've forgotten about it. And bloody Scott Hodges, he got pounded that game, but he just kept getting up. And uh, that last quarter was amazing. Well, it's about persistence, isn't it? And what what I said about that particular game was, uh, they said, "Oh, you know, Scotty, miracle last quarter." But I said, "Look at all the chase and tackling he did in the first three. I mean, mm. you know, it's just what we were expected to do, and it's it's what you do to win finals. And I think an, another one in that particular year in '94." 
another final that really sticks with me is the drawn one with Central District, which uh, was our qualifying. And uh, we drew the game. We, we were seven points down with 57 seconds to go. And we drew it. And even had a chance of winning it. Daryl Ball, I said the last kick, and it just missed the goals. And we, we drew the game and had to go into extra time, five minutes each way. So that really was a, a significant final because, one, we won it and we got into a second semi. But I know that that sort of belief that you can pick up yourself after playing a whole final of tough finals footy and then going another 10 minutes each, five minutes each way was amazing. And then, you know, it was still a draw after the first five minutes and we broke them in the second five and won the game. And we went on to play that second semi against the Eagles and people always look at that result. And we, we got beat by 12 goal, but we were within a goal at three quarter time. And I think yeah. not too many people realize that we, we, we sort of had the first shot hit the post they went down the other end, got a goal, and the floodgates opened. And I think we were just exhausted from the week before. And in the end, it probably gave the Eagles a false sense of security. And we went through the preliminary and did a similar thing where we had a tough three quarters and ended up winning by 15 goals, something ridiculous. And then went into that grand final, really match-hardened, really match-hardened. And I knew we were finals fit. So I was pretty confident. Middle league, 20 minutes in, things didn't look real good. So... Uh, it ended up being a, an amazing final and one of those things that you just, you know, you love for life. So you got us back in the game. You threw a little bit of a cheapie at a freeborn and uh, won a free kick and suddenly we're back in it. I was brutally attacked, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was savage, a savage. I don't know what happened. He went crazy. and uh, Filthy player, freeborn. Yeah. Terrible. Exactly. He had rabies or something. I don't know what was going on, but uh, he, he went berserk and uh, ran at me, and I had to defend myself stoutly. So uh, that's what happened, and and uh, the result was history. But I look at the time. I remember Daryl Borlase just coming up and saying, "Don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, we're going to come back. We're going to win." And and uh, which is yeah, you know, classic experience and belief. And then a bit of an argument started, and. That's where it all started, around about centre-half forward. And then, of course, it went down to the pocket. And all I did was the ball got thrown in and he was hanging on to my jumper. And I just quickly put the old elbow into the wind, wind bag and he went down. And I thought nothing of it. And then I turned around and he was running straight at me. So, <laughs> self-defence, Your Honour. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, yeah look, it was great because I, you then got to kick the goal. <laughs> and, I, and I always say, look, I say to <laughs> kids now I train. So there's... You watch how many blokes miss from 25 metres out on a 45-degree angle. They miss all the time. I'm watching it now. I'm doing the SNFL finals. I'm doing AFL with the you know, 5AA. And they're always missing that easy kick, and it just drives me insane because yeah. it, it should just be put away, but it takes some, I think, takes some courage not to, to uh, choke on the kick. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean that's been a bugbear of ours uh, on the podcast all year. Really, was our is our finishing for goal, especially at AFL level. Mm. You know, we had a bit of an argument about that uh, yesterday on the podcast for about ten minutes. Yeah, it's a it's a big one, and it's it's something that you know, as a young man, I remember not yeah, having yeah. And, and panicking about it, and and I remember Stephen Curtis, who used to play for us number seven with the bike helmet on, and and he, he just came out and said, "What what what's the problem?" And I said, well, "I don't know." He said, "Well, you." Can you kick him on the run? I said, yeah, I can. He said, where about you go all the way back and make out you're on the run? I thought, what a great theory. Mm. So I did that. Now, unfortunately, I got a hop, skip and a jump in the middle of it. But <laughs> the routine was set and I knew I wouldn't get too close to the man on the mark. And that was the routine. And, and then you, you're confident in what you do. It's Jay Shules has a routine. It's a really good routine. Very rarely misses. And it's so important, especially in big games. Absolutely. Yeah, well, our debate last night was we were using Robbie Gray with with his couple of set shots, and well, I'm not picking on him because he's a fantastic player, but I, I was just saying in the in the Frio game, I thought he had a couple of goals that he should have kicked, and and the argument was that he was a midfielder, so you know it's harder for him to be a more regular set shot, and I sort of thought that was uh, probably not true, and I was interested to see if you thought you'd give the uh, midfielders a bit more leniency with their goal kicking accuracy because because they're a midfielder and have to do more running. Not at all. Not at all. And especially a set shot. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. You kick him. You kick him. No dramas. He, he, he's, he's, I think he's actually improved his set shots from 
a couple of years ago. So I think he's on the improve in that area. But um, mm. I thought it was the ones on the run that, that he missed that I thought were the ones that were very unusual. There was one he tried to kick on the outside of his right when it was probably a very simple on the left, um, and, and then another one on the right, and so on, which was in play. So, they're, they're, yeah, they were a bit unusual. Um, but I think his, his actual set shots have improved mm. probably considerably. I reckon he used to be a bit nervous on them in, in previous years, and I reckon he's actually picked up in that area, just about every area, because I, I, I would seriously think that he, he should be a very, very close chance at that Brownlow medal. Absolutely. Oh, he's got to be up there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, he's been amazing. Well, look, last time we spoke was way back in round three. Um, how have you seen the year pan out for both the uh, the Power and the Maggies? Oh, look, I, I actually think... Let's go to the Magpies first. I, I reckon it was there was such panic, I think, early with the way they were playing. and I think it was uh, just before I spoke to you blokes that they destroyed... Uh, Glenelg at yep. Albert and Oval by 152, and it really looked like this is this is going to be an ugly year where they're going to go through undefeated by a minimum of 10 goals. But very very quickly, you find with injuries and uh, you know players not coming up, it, that all of a sudden your your depth gets tested, and and then the competition I actually think started to work harder at the way they play footy to combat both uh, more mainly Port Adelaide because they were the ones that were winning. And I reckon they were improved. And I, I actually saw Central play Port Adelaide in a trial game and have no idea probably what was happening to them then playing them at Alden and losing by a couple of goals to them winning at Elizabeth. And then you've got South Adelaide who beat them. And, you know, they've had a minor round where they've won 12, lost six. So that was probably a really good result for the whole competition, considering they were getting um, AFL-listed players back in for the first time. So yeah. it was a really, really good year, I think, as far as the end result. If you said you could finish top, but you only lose six games, I reckon you couldn't hope for better than that. that that's a, probably a really good result. So now, obviously, it hinges on finals, and the, probably the form teams at the moment um, are Nord and South. So... It'll be interesting to see how the, how the boys go this week. I'm confident that the Magpies will win. Um, it certainly won't be easy by any means. And then as far as the Powers year go, well, it was just fairy tale stuff for 11 rounds, wasn't it? 10 and 1. Mm. We're all going Adelaide Oval. We're going, how good's this? And we're calling it the Portress and we're going fantastic. And then I think what happens here, and you can, you can make excuses, but the maturity of the list just you just see that, you know, if you let one game go and then, oh, we you know, we got a really slow start because we couldn't get motivated and, oh, we lost another one and then all of a sudden you forget how to win and what you were doing to make yourself win. So I don't think it was any coincidence that it coincided with injuries to your key backs and it was Trengo first and then Carlisle. And uh, I don't, yeah, that really hurt us and, and probably showed where we're at our depth as far as tall defenders and and that obviously another Ruckman uh, really got tested in that period. So I think they did well because I, I, I to get themselves back out of it, I thought it was the Sydney game at Adelaide Oval that I said to myself, that is us back to where we, we were used to, the way we were running and the way we were going hard and the way we were closing other oppositions down really quickly. That was the first game I said, oh, we've got our mojo back. I can see it. And we've, I reckon we're still playing good footy, even though we had a really terrible 20 minutes where we allowed nine goals in on the weekend. We're still playing really good footy. So yeah. I, I'm confident moving into this first final against Richmond that uh, we can play that good footy for longer than what we did on the weekend. Good to hear, unlike our coward co-host over there, Macca, who's fearful oh, of Richmond. <laughs> so I'm glad you've at least got some confidence on the... On the show oh. tonight, because Mac is trembling <laughs> over like, there. He's fearing Richmond. He's fearing, fearing Richmond. Richmond. I never that thought I'd said, say that. It hadn't been said since 1980, I don't reckon. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's one for the books. But look, hey, they're in good nick. They've won nine in a row. They've beaten some serious teams. They haven't beaten just lightweights. And uh, to beat Sydney and Sydney, that's, that's a superb effort. And they do have some genuine talent. We all just get confused as to why... You know, they were 
whatever they were, three and seven or whatever, halfway three through and, the year. So. Three and ten, I think. Yeah. Three and ten, there you go. Oh, gee whiz. So, well, that's the thing. I mean, it can either go one of two ways, really. I mean, they can either have a serious mental letdown this week because they've achieved what looked like being unachievable. They, you know, they've done the miracle. They've made the finals. Are they going to drop off a little bit this week? Um, or are they just that chock full of confidence that they're just going to come out and absolutely slam us? I, I, I've seen them in the past, and I think where they uh, where they go best is when they get a really good start. And I think that's our big one on the weekend is not to allow them to have that sort of five or six goal start yep. and then go, okay, well, we're good at coming back, so we'll wear them down. I reckon our secret to winning is to getting a really good start against them because I think they do run exactly on that, on the confidence and the adrenaline of being up and about and going, hey, we're in this. But if they're seriously challenged early, it might be a problem because they, they got the jump on Sydney and they were able to sort of maintain and then hang on, really, uh, to a fast-finishing um, swan. So I, I reckon our go is not to be in that scenario and make sure that we are, if we're... One or two goals up, not much at half time. I'd be extremely confident that we're going to go on with that. If we're five or six down, that's going to be our battle, and we, that'll be because they're super confident and flying. And um, I reckon you're always a chance against them, though, as as Carlton were last year when they got. I don't know. I think they were six up at one stage. I was watching. Yeah. And they just in the back of their minds be thinking, "No, oh, not that again. This is happening again." I just reckon we've got to really make sure we snuff any of that ability out by having a good start ourselves and that that would be a turn up because we haven't been fast starters this year. Have you um have you when you used in your playing experience have, did you ever come up into a in a, a finals game with a team that had sort of a run on like uh, Richmond has and uh, and how did it how did it go? Can you remember yeah, any? Like the team that's got a bit of momentum. I, I think several times we met Glenelg after they had won a lot of games to get in, and then they won two or three finals to sort of get there, and you're sort of going, well, that's that's winning momentum at its best. Um, and then it was just, you're, you're meaning a really tough, hard finals opponent. And, and I, But to, to win nine in a row, I don't know if I've, I've ever met anybody in that sort of form, and, and that is hard to stop. You've got to make sure that you're doing all the things that make it a really hard, tough contest, and maybe not especially not letting them get a fast start. So, yeah, it's funny. I, I was thinking I'm chatting actually tomorrow night to the to the boys that are playing for the Magpies and, you know, you go back to what makes you win finals and in when you've played so many, there's so many different scenarios. You've been down to begin with. You've been up by five or six to begin with and, you know, how do you handle those situations and, are you in front at three-quarter time, aren't you? Uh, you're down in the last quarter, aren't uh, you? are up by 10 or whatever. How do you hold on? They're all different scenarios. And what it actually comes down to, it's just been really mentally tough and knowing that you came here to do that job and you're going to keep persisting at what we believed in until you do it. Now, if that means you're 10 up, well, you want to go 20 up. And that would be the scenario in 89 when we were up against one of the best teams I reckon I ever played against in North Adelaide. And they you know, capitulated in the first half. Now, you'd think, as talented as they were, they'd be able to come back, but our our mental toughness and our ruthlessness didn't allow it. Just it was like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And then you get your 94 situation where you're six down and looking hopeless, and you've got to be mentally tough to go and start eating the elephant bit by bit and getting back to a scenario where somebody I was talking to on the weekend told me, Timmy, do you know that's the most goals Port Adelaide have ever kicked in a quarter in any grand final? And I said, which quarter? He said, the last quarter you kicked nine goals. I said, gee, I knew we were going all right, but I didn't actually realise we kicked nine goals in the last quarter. He mm. said, yeah, you did. And he said, I've looked it up. It's the most goals ever in a quarter. It's amazing. So there's all those different wow. scenarios that can happen. You've got to be mm. mentally tough and ready to take on whichever ones you're confronted with. Is it a, ma- is it a massive advantage for a team at SNFL level or... AFL level to be able to come without the break and run the whole way through the final series uh, and still win, or is is it almost just now an impossible dream due to fitness? No, I think our guys are as well placed as anybody to do that. Uh, finishing fifth home final 
I reckon they're as well placed as anybody. Now they'll go either to Sydney or or Perth, and I got a feeling in my stomach that I think we might be going to Sydney. I reckon Freo are in better nick at the moment, and if we get Sydney on ANZ, then I reckon we're a big possibility there. Mm. And then you're sort of talking Hawthorne Geelong, depending on the result there. So look, I, I, I really reckon our guys, if they believe. I tell you, I reckon that's the biggest hurdle was believing. I reckon they're a team fit enough to go through a final series without any drama. I think the thing in modern football that we won't see that the scenarios that I was just talking about was that this day and age, and, and even an SNFL level, and I saw it on Saturday night occur in both games, the coaches are prepared to put so many players behind the ball that they can stop a 10-goal run or a you know, six- or seven-goal run. They're prepared to put so many blokes behind the ball that they stop. And yep. looking at North and Sturt on the weekend, Sturt had 20 more inside 50s, but Nord were able to hold them at arm's length just by controlling the numbers and in the right spots and making sure that it was too hard for Sturt to get through there their defensive zone. So that's probably the thing I've noticed about today's game more so than ours. And um, our era was if you could, if you could get momentum, you could really break a side open and keep going. Mm, mm. Well, look, let's have a, a quick chat about the McGarry medal. Um, obviously a fantastic result for ex uh, Port Magpie Zane Kirkwood. He pretty much tore the McGarry medal apart with 29 votes. He was the runaway winner by about nine votes. Um, now, Tim, you coached Zane at the Maggies. In fact, I think you debuted him as a 16-year-old in 2008. Um, yep. What was he like to coach, and, and did you see him turning into such a fantastic footballer? Oh, look, he, he was so coachable. It wasn't funny, but he was just a terrific kid. Just, you know, one of those guys that you've got his eyes straight away. You don't have to ask him to look up. He's just looking straight away anyway. So he wants to hear. He wants to learn. He wants to listen. He was such a hard worker. In the game, I debuted him. I reckon he had his first two touches were smothers off the boot. <laughs> Just said, <laughs> this kid's fantastic. Like he wants to do all the one percenters, and he created a couple of goals and kicked one himself uh, in the first quarter. And we had a, a pretty healthy win against the Eagles at Woodville. And look, I, I just thought this this kid's just so coachable. So any time he was available, um, I'd play him. You know, I think he went away with the under 18s and things like that. As soon as he came back, he was in my team because. He just loved him and he would do anything for you. If I said, look, I need you to do a run with roll, he would do it. If I said, I need you to rove and get as much of it, he'd do it. If I say, play permanent forward pocket, get underneath the big fella's feet, he would do it. He was just so coachable and he's never changed. And I've you know, continued to sort of catch up with Zane and do some one-on-one stuff with him. And it's just a real pleasure to be involved in his life and, and just the fact that he's just kicked on. And I think I tweeted something like, you know, it's a pleasure to see him grow. A pain to see him go, but what a fantastic win and a real worthy winner of the McGarry medal. And, geez, he, he got out to a great start and then he never looked back. It was uh, it was no catching him and, and well done. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, was that the right pretty... result you were expecting? I thought Zane would win. And I thought I honestly thought that Steve Summonham would be extremely close in the voting to him. And... Uh, as it turned out, I think Steve polled 15 to his 29. I, I thought that was a bit of an injustice to, to Steve Summerton. And yeah. the fact that he won the AFL Coaches Award, uh, sorry, the SNFL Coaches Award, which you know all the, all the other coaches vote on, um, sort of says the impact that Steve had this year. Yeah. I mean, he certainly polled in enough games. He just kept getting those blasted third preference votes. Yes, which you sort of go, oh, well, they've acknowledged him, but... Um, you know, did he deserve to be the three? I'd, I'm, I'd have to go back and, and have a fair scrutinisation of it, but it's the old story. What, what's done is done and you move on. And, you know, I, I actually thought Zane would be the worthy winner, but I thought Summer would be a lot closer. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the, the issue when we had, um, you know, we were winning by so much for so long and we had five or six players all getting sort of 35 touches a week. Um I guess we were always going to share around the votes a little bit. Yeah, and you had Benny Newton in great form. And look, there was a game against the Crows at Alberton that 
um, I remember doing, and I actually think they got the votes right that day. And I think some got two, and I think um, Andrew Moore got three. Yep. And, and I, I couldn't disagree with that. And yeah, it's just that that's what it is. It's a, it's a medal decided by the umpires, and they they make the decision after the game, and that's it, mate. You just accept that the old umpires' decision and move on. That's it. Well, I want to have a, a quick chat with you about the Guernsey debate. Um, obviously, it's something that might that you might hold uh, pretty close to your heart, the old prison bars. Um, obviously, this week we can't use our home Guernsey, but we've given, uh, been given authorization to use the prison bar Guernsey, and it looks like it's actually going to happen now. Um, how does that make you feel, Tim? Um, Seems like a bit of a bizarre scenario. I think we need to go back to the beginning. It should not be in a debate. It shouldn't <laughs> even be entered into. It, it, this is uh, one of the most confusing non-issues. I, I cannot believe that we've even been asked to do any think with our Guernsey. We are playing home. We finished mm. fifth. If, if they had have asked, you know, Essendon, Collingwood or Carlton in that same situation to change their Guernsey, which they wouldn't have. There's no way the AFL would have asked them to do that. It would, it just reeked of you're in the minor state and, you know, you're in Adelaide and it doesn't matter and you just change it. And it was like, nah, we're not going to cop that and we're not going to roll over. And I still think, even though I love, as you know, that Guernsey just means so much to me. I still think on Sunday we should be out of principle wearing our home strip, not happy jam. Absolutely. Is it is it a um, is it a thing for the players where it would be disrupting? Um, you know, putting your old playing hat back on, or is that is it more just a bureaucratic um, war and, and the players don't really think about it, or you know, do you get influenced by those sort of things? Does it unify you as a playing group? Well, Rick, in, in our day, and this is classic, I got a text from Mick Abbott, the ex-umpire, yesterday, who said to me, oh, my Lord, he said, if John Cale had got hold of this, he said he had fired you blokes up so much, he said you'd come out and beat a team that's won nine games in a row by 20 goals. <laughs> he said, it's a <laughs> typical Port Adelaide thing that just goes, rightio, it's us against the rest of the world, come on. And that is the attitude. And I love that. I think as a player, you just use it. You go, look at, you know, look what they're trying to do. You know, we would get players rubbed out for one game. Daryl Poole for the most pathetic little tap on the chin of Stephen Rowe um, gets rubbed out for a game. We use that to fire us up. You know, it's like, no, all right, no dramas. We won't say anything about it. But when we get out there, we'll do the talking with our actions and we'll just smash it because of it. And that's, you know, I reckon it was one of the great things that Jack used to be able to galvanise us as a as a team and as a club to go, you know what, we're not going to whinge, but we are going to react. We are going to react. It's going to be on the oval. And that's what we would do, and it was just fantastic. And, you know, the 1990 bid, that was just a classic example of, I reckon Jack almost went, you beauty, because we were sort of going through the season, but we weren't going through it with any sort of, you know, purpose or uh you know ruthlessness and this day happens where we're bidding for the afl group you know license and all of a sudden exploded i think scotty kicked 13 goals in his in his uh in the game at alberton against west and we won by umpteen and we just went on this rampage and it was like us against the rest of the world and we loved it so this sort of thing can be very galvanizing and i i think you know, if anything, not that the coach has to say too much about it. It's just like, you know what? You are up against it, guys, and it's fantastic when you are the underdog. You love it. you got the, you got like a, a competition body telling you that you can't. Well, we'll just show them we can. Mac is still upset. He's very <laughs> aggrieved, and rightly so. I mean, I, I'm actually offended. As a... As a Football supporter, I find it very offensive that rules are just made up on the fly uh, to influence the team that you follow, especially if you're not based from a particular state. And for the maturity of our competition or where we should be, it's it's just really inappropriate. I, I think that's that's a very articulate way of putting it, and and and, and a way that I can't do because I get too angry. 
Well, I just wonder what would have happened if we actually finished top. Like, if we finished top and Richmond finished fourth, would they still be asking us to uh, to change our Guernsey? Well, you're actually spot on, Craig, because there's there's no difference in that scenario. It's like, excuse me, you're going to ask team that finished top to change because fourth has got a, a non-clash Guernsey or nah? And and how do they make this decision the week before a final when? For four years, we've been playing against Richmond in that so-called clash strip. And, and I don't blame Richmond at all. It, no. It's got nothing to do with them. Nothing to no. do with Not their issue. Not Certainly not Port Adelaide's issue. It's a, the AFL's issue. And, it, and why, why follow it up with the fact that, okay, you can wear the prison bars, but you have to wear white shorts? I don't get that well, either. Just keep... Why don't you just keep rubbing it in? <laughs> Well, well apparently, apparently we're not allowed to wear black and white underwear either. Yeah, no, you fit you fit me with the four B two. Why don't you just you know, mm. just keep put the boots in afterwards? It's just garbage, mm. absolute garbage. Yeah, it's like you know, every, every time we've worn the the prison bars, I've gotten incredibly excited and really proud. And this, this to me is almost like it's just fueled with fire. And you know, I'm gonna. Mm. Obviously, be excited to see when it runs out, but I, I want it to do some serious damage. Absolutely. Look, let's uh, have a bit of a chat about this game. It's the uh, elimination final, Port Adelaide versus Richmond. It's going to be on Sunday um, at Adelaide Oval, the very first final at Adelaide Oval. It looks like a sellout. Uh, we've got a 14-9 win-loss record against Richmond. We've never actually played in a final before. Um, but the last time we met, which was in round 17, we lost by 20 points. It was one of the we... ones I was talking about earlier, about where I did think our maturity was at the right level at the time. And I think we almost tried to get through that game and going, you know, we'll turn the afterburners on and we'll win it. Well, it, it, it didn't happen, of course, and, and we lost in uh, what was a, a very disappointing loss. And you sort of walk away from that and go, oh, that's disappointing. I still feel that our best footy, which I think we're around the mark of, is so superior to what they can deliver. And I'm, I'm confident that they will play at that level in front of what's going to be a pretty hostile Adelaide Oval crowd. First, they told us we weren't allowed to sing Never Tear Us Apart which wouldn't have happened anyway because they don't have to turn the music on for that to happen. No. I'll tell you right now. So there was that, first of all. Then they've done this absolute ridiculous stance on on the Guernsey, which is just ridiculous. So that's going to that's fuel the supporters up as well. And then you've got the Cauldron, which is Adelaide Oval, and our players pretty pumped up to go, you know what? You've had a really good year, boys. Do you want it to end by losing the elimination final at Adelaide over against Richmond, I don't think you do. No. And Ken's always said you get what you deserve. Now, I think you guys have to work hard to get what you deserve because I, I don't believe that t- it ends today because I don't think that's your journey. I don't think that's your destiny. So it is about winning today and winning well and going through into the next games and knowing that you are not just a threat, but you're a genuine chance. And I, I really believe that. And I, I believe it strongly. And I, I got a feeling that they do as well. And at times they've certainly certainly shown that this year. And I think it's just come back a bit um, in the last three or four weeks. Even, like I said, the loss to Frio. They knew, gee, we got within eight points. And we really let ourselves down for a good 20 minutes of footy. But we're better than that. And I reckon they really believe it. So it's a big, big week, no doubt. I reckon the whole... The whole concoction of it, the whole mixture, will boil up a, a beautiful, delicious dish for Port Adelaide on Sunday. Well, the crowd's going to be fired up, and I can see, I can hear in your in your voice there, Tim, that I reckon you're going to be standing up a minute before the game, uh, singing "Never Tear Us Apart" as well. I reckon you you're pretty fired up there. Oh, absolutely, and uh, <laughs> there's no no better scenario for it because it's like that, you know, when okay that the you know, the, the people 
it's like the Russian Revolution, the French Revolution, when the when the the authorities want to rip the people apart. Well, they're not going. We're going to stand mm-hmm. strong. We're going to stand strong, and we're going we're going to love the fact that we're going to keep winning and sticking it in your face by doing that, regardless <laughs> of what you try to do to us. Keep throwing it, mate. It's not sticking. That's exactly right. Absolutely. Now, Rick, I'll I'll tell you why I'm a little bit concerned about this game. We haven't beaten Richmond. Here we go. We haven't beaten Richmond since 2011. It seems like they're a little bit of a bogey side. We don't seem to match up all that well against them. Um, The last time we met, they were too tall. You know, we couldn't match their height. Obviously, we were out without uh, Bobby and and Jacko that game. But we also got thrashed in the midfield. We, uh, We gave up 30 more contested possessions, 10 more clearances and inside 50s. And also eight more tackles. Um, it's one of the only teams that Hinkley hasn't beat yet. Um, and it just seems to be that they're a bit of a bogey team. Craig, do you reckon we were in the same form then when we played them with all those stats as we are now? Uh, no, probably not. I think we're in better form, absolutely. I think we're, yeah. uh, we're fired up and ready to go. Um, but, you know, we, I think we were in pretty good form last year when we came up against them as well and, and they tore us apart at uh, at Amy Stadium. I think we're in better form. I think we're in much better running form. We were in that flat patch and we looked yeah. like we were in agony trying to run. Yeah. Uh, and and now we don't look like that anymore. We look like we're running on top of the ground. So yeah. I'm um, particularly impressed with, uh, you know, obviously Robbie Gray just keeps on keeping on, but Hartlett's looking really good. And, yeah. and, and you know, threatening to have one of those really big games, not just a sort of 25-touch, three-goal game. He, I reckon he's, he's looking to even even surpass that and have a big 30-sort-of-touch game with lots of goals in it because uh, he's running on top of the ground looking really, really awesome. I think yep. if we can... I thought Westhoff was really good last week as well, and, mm. and that's a good sign for us. And every time you can get that ball inside Chad Wingard's hands as well, just do it as often. I, I'd actually say, listen, let's all of us give him a touch early so that he's got eight touches and feels great about himself because <laughs> then anything's going to happen. That's it. And you Look. do do that. I, I tell you now, when we had the Wanganines and the Buckleys of the world, I couldn't wait to handball it to him. It was like, gee whiz, get it in these guys' hands. Stuff's mm. going to happen. They're X factors. Look, obviously I, with the... Uh... Sorry, obviously with uh, Westhoff, there's the, the Troy the, uh, Chaplin Troy factor. Chaplin factor. Absolutely. You know, he's kept uh, Justin to just five marks and two behinds um, in the last two games since he crossed over to Richmond. Yeah, I'd like to stand him. Mm. I'd love to stand him. Well, it sounds like 55,000 fans are going to have the same opinion by the, by uh, the sounds of it. A lot of people are angry. Nothing could make me more ill than a, than a, than a facade performing as something else. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, the, we, there was a comparison the other day about Daniel Pierce and Troy Chaplin, and I don't think as a port supporter that anyone really has any ill feeling towards Daniel Pierce. And, uh, you know, and he left at the same time, but there's so much ill feeling about uh, Troy Chaplin that I guess just completely different in their actions on departure and what they've done since. Yeah, I, I always bring it back to a bit of authenticity and Piercy was what Piercy was. And I actually, I've admired the fact that Daniel's left, gone to Frio, but he's actually upped his work rate. And, and I, I saw him do things on the weekend, which I was, I was actually quite proud of. Some of his tackling, I was just going, Daniel, that is great. That's stuff that you didn't have in your game, mate. So you've gone to improve yourself. And I actually at the time thought, you know what? Chappie's gone to Richmond and, and Piercy's gone to Frio. And I actually thought it was great for, for both parties in, in both situations. So good for the club, good for them to move on. And I reckon Daniel's done it the right way. And uh, the other fella just continually undoes anything good that he may have done prior because uh, he's got this mm. real ability to talk a talk, and for us, never walk the walk. Spot on. <laughs> I could not agree more. 
I mean, you, you could tell Piercy put his heart out on the ground every time he played the game. He just left his heart out on the ground. I don't think you could say the same about uh, the finger pointer. No, the finger pointer was good at that. He was terrific. Mm. Um, he could do some of the uh, – well, we used to call him nearly because he nearly made the contest. He nearly took the body out. He nearly took the mark. He nearly hit the target. Oh, and it just kept going on. And I'll tell you now, one of the best things I reckon half-time speech that John Cale said to us, we were going rough. We were, we were going crap, quite frankly. And it was all about the way you prepare yourself. And we, we weren't doing it right. It was at Albert and Oval. He went off his head at us. And he said, "What do you, do you think those people out there, meaning the, our supporters, he said, do you think those people out there don't know? He said, do you think they don't know? He said, they've been watching for football for over 100 years. They know exactly what's going on out there. And they know when you're dogging it. And they know when you haven't prepared. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. It's accountability. And I loved it. I said, he's dead right. Our people know football better than anybody. They are so astute, especially on your character, especially on your character, that they may never have met you. But by your actions and deeds, they will read you like a book. And I love that about Port Adelaide. Me too. Here we are. (laughs) Spot on. You look at uh, Troy's replacement, in uh, Jackie Homsch, and how good is Jack Homsch going this year? Talk about reading the bloke's character. How good a bloke is he? He's amazing. He has been outstanding. I saw him get four games last year when Jacko was out and didn't put a foot wrong. And I thought, gee, that poor little bugger's stiff getting dropped. But he did a pre-season that said, you know what, how about you pick the team around me? I'm definitely going to be one of your selected blokes. Yeah. And he's done it. God, he's been terrific. Great, great kid, Craig. If you like, uh, if you like him, what do you think of Tommy Jonas? Go Fantastic footballers. I mean, they just, like I said about Piercy, you know, they just put their heart and they leave it on the ground. You've never got to worry um, that they're not putting in. You know, you just know that they're going to go a hundred percent. Yeah, I think. I think and the, the thing going. I really like about Tommy Jonas is I don't think his foot skills are fantastic, but he knows his limitations and he works within them. Yeah, he's not doing things that he knows he doesn't have to do or can do. Yeah. It's it's very, for me, he's very Paul North East for me. Yes, yeah. You give Spot him a on. job, he'll do the job. Is it a tall bloke, it's a small bloke, he'll do the job. Understands that his kicking isn't elite, but rarely misses targets. And yeah. and that was the same with Norther. He was, you know, he was a laugh, laughed at because of his action, but gee, I didn't see him miss too many blatant ones. No, that's right. No, he's a legend. Tim, do you reckon our um, delivery inside forward 50 is going to be pretty important this weekend? Because I've found over the last couple of months we've probably been a little bit ineffectual with how we've been delivering the ball inside 50 to our forwards. I actually think sometimes we might be a little bit Schulz conscious and it's easy for a defence to go quick, get over, air assist and it's perhaps a a thing that we haven't been good at to go, who else is in that forward 50? And mm. it must be somebody, one of our mid sort of forwards that, you know, that, that Robbie Gray Wingard type that, hang on, he, he's on his own now, and be able to change that kick and hit that other target. I'd, I'd like to see that more often um, when Schulze's up there on his own. When, when, when you've got Westhoff in that forward arc with him, it's not a drama because then you got Schulze in a one-on-one, which I think there's a stat that he's he's the best one-on-one mark in the league. Um, mm. So that's not a drama. But when he's unfortunately got the the guys that can peel off, that that's when I reckon what you're talking about is accurate. And I reckon, especially in our flat patch, we just continually did that, and he was just getting bashed and crashed every mm. game. Consequently, was looking you know very weary because of it. So. I think we've got that a bit better in our last three or four games, and I'd like to see it improve again. I can't, I can't disagree with with your comments. Yeah, we almost need to, to drop the eyes a little bit more, don't we? Coming inside the the forward fifty and and really try and deliver in front of the target instead of plonking them on the head. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. There's nothing worse than just uh, putting that big eye one on the scone. Mm. Well, you didn't go to the game last week, did you? No, I did the SNFL here and uh, yeah. taped the 
game and watched it Sunday morning, which um, mm. it really is. Sunday morning should be a happy affair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should enjoy it, have a cup of coffees and, you know, just relax a bit. And I went and watched the game because I wanted to catch up on it and uh, knowing full well the result. But um, when you watch it, oh, you get a bit frustrated. But look, I still came out of it thinking, we're still playing, we're actually still playing a good brand of footy. And again, mm. I'll take my hat off to Frio. That's the best I've seen them play this year, without a doubt. Well, the reason I asked you is uh, I was wondering if the defenders can maybe learn something from last week because I really felt like Frio was able to dismantle our defensive structure and they created a lot of mismatches in our defensive 50. Yeah. No, you're spot on. You're spot on. And, uh, I actually think if we've got the biggest area for development, growth, and maturity is is in our defence, which is interesting saying that when you've got Jacko and, and Carlisle as your two pillars who we, 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 we rate highly. We love Homsch, we love Jonas, but Homsch is in his, yeah, you know, basically mm. 30 games, if that, you've got... Um, Tommy, who's just hit 50 games. Um, that's where I'm saying is that it's still young. It's still a young mm. defence. And then you, you have your Impies and Pittards and O'Shea's and that that go through as well. And getting that back six right is very important. And then, the, obviously, in today's game, if your midfielders aren't back there to help out at the right times, and that's where I think Frio do it very, very well. They're so good at getting back to assist what is already a very good defence. So, mm. And they didn't have McFarlane. So no. yeah, that, that can only get stronger back there. You're right. So, I mean, it's amazing how well our defence works considering how inexperienced it is. It is. And yeah. it's been the absolute rock of our side this year. We did an analysis on the, uh, on the podcast at the end of last year looking at um, – sort of previous uh, premiership dynasties like uh, the great Hawthorne sides and, you know, Sydney yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And you looked at the age and experience level of their defence and we were thinking, you know, our defence is going to be three or four years off uh, performing as well as it actually has this year. Well, probably in comparison age-wise, but I, I think we'll get there quicker mm. because of what's happening now. So we'll get there within... Um, the next two seasons, I think those guys, you got, like I said, you've got guys that are playing 50 games will be 75 games, but they'll be like 150 game players because of what they've been through. So yeah, I actually think mm. we'll get there quicker. Well, look, uh, we'll do the four questions. Uh, the first one is the time to stand up. Rick, whose time is it to stand up this week, mate? Oh, look, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a four quarter effort from the Chad, uh, Tim brought him up earlier and I think that's right I'd love to see the team get him into the game but I think if Richmond's going to be exposed it could be our small forwards that can expose them uh, you know Alex, Alex Rant's been a fantastic uh, tall defender and probably their small defenders is really our opportunity so especially Chad but you know if Angus is, is playing and Robbie Gray's in the forward line as well and Jakey Need I, I think they, they'll be the ones to do the damage with Chad leading the way I like that, Cole. Uh, for me, it's got to be our midfield leaders. Um, I'm talking about Boak, Gray, Ebert, um, Kane Corns, and Matty Loby. I think this quintet um, is going to really need to be switched on from the start. Um, and I don't think any of them can afford to play poor games this week because Richmond's midfield is uh, is really the key to their side. I, I I've always believed that you win or lose by what happens in the midfield. No doubt about that. Mm. And... I think your call is pretty accurate, especially with the names you mentioned. The thing I saw too was we we get Kane to go to a particular player, and I think it was Hill last week, and he did a good job there as usual. But I think sometimes we're allowing the other midfielder too many touches before we do something about it. Now, it was Lockie Neal on the weekend. Yep. And... I think he had 37, something ridiculous. Now, I just reckon that goes too long. Now, you might be going, okay, well, we're, it looked like at times it was Brad Ebert and he's going to go third up. That left Lockie Neal uh, unattended at stoppage. The, the kid's a clever player. He's going to get the ball. So if we choose to do that again, 
I think we've got to make a call when we go, actually, you know what? He's at 18. That's too many. We've got to stop that. Mm. Yeah. And and because and, if you say you allow Dustin Martin to do that, that kid with confidence is absolute danger. Yeah. And there's so, four or five goals. It's And that's exactly, he hurts you on the scoreboard and that's what we mm. can't afford. So we've got to be very careful of that, I reckon. And, and uh, you know, gee whiz, who does that role now? Because we used to quite often throw it to the Dom to go and shut those sort of people down. Uh, the Dom ain't there no more. So Tommy Jonas. It'll be interesting to see what we can do. Yeah, he is good. <laughs> he is good, so... <laughs> Very interesting to hear Don Cassisi talk about when he stood Gary Ablett and why he had such a good record on him. His theory was that he said, no matter where I was in what situation, as soon as Gary got the ball, I tackled him and made sure he went to the ground. He said, because if I had him on the ground, Gary would so often with other people, if you watch him, he gets rid of the first one really quickly, but he power runs and gets mm. the second and third, and then he delivers inside or has shots at goal. He said yeah. so. His theory was get him to the ground. It stops him getting the next one and maybe two. He said, so I can keep him to about 14, 15 touches. I've done a miracle job. And it was a great theory. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Worked. All right. So we just want to see 18 Richmond players all laying on the ground. <laughs> get them to the ground. <laughs> I like it. Well, look, let's talk about the danger man, Rick. Who's your danger man this week? Uh, well, you guys are going to bang about the midfield once again. I'm going to I'm going to pick out Alex Rance. I thought he had a he's had a fantastic year and he's become a very uh, underrated player, um, which is now a, a very performing player. And he was fantastic against Sydney, and and that's where I'm concerned about our inside uh, forward fifty delivery because uh, you know if we just bomb it, uh, probably him especially, he's just going to pick them off and you know really expose us and and create rebounds. So. Uh, we just need to make sure uh, we make him accountable and uh, and not allow him to uh, drop off and get those intercept marks. Yep, I like that. Um, I'm going to pick Anthony Miles, um, who's just been an absolute revelation mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. Um, he actually got delisted by Greater Western Sydney at the end of last year, and you know was uh, was picked up on the rookie list by uh, Richmond, and he's averaging 24 touches and seven clearances a game over the second half of the season. Um, and I think the thing that he does really well is that, that he really opens up their midfield so much and takes the pressure off the likes of Deledio and Cochin and Ellis um, and Martin and it allows them to play their more natural game. Um, I think we actually threw Kane Corns onto him last time we played because he was actually killing us. Um, and right. it really wouldn't surprise me if, he, if, we, uh, if we see Corns go to him again. Yep, that's a fair call. And I think both those are very, very good choices and, and we're going to have to... Make sure we do our, our jobs on those blokes. Um, look, the, I'm, I'm always concerned about X-Factors, ones that get the team going and all the rest of it. And, and, and I think it's Dustin Martin for mine. And yep. I just don't want him off the leash and I don't want him kicking goals. Uh, it, they seem to grow a little bit when he's going well and when he's on fire. So I'd like to keep him in a jar and make sure he didn't get out. That'd be very good. But that's my X-Factor anyway. Mm. Someone asked today if uh, Dave Granger will come out and be runner this week for us. <laughs> well, there's no fear of losing then, is there? <laughs> Talk about 18 <laughs> Richmond players lying on the ground. <laughs> well, just, just say to him, yes, say yes. him it's Glenelg, Dave, it's Glenelg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Times have changed. That's it. Rick, uh, your key to winning, mate? Uh, my key to winning is not allow uh, Richmond any time to play uncontested football and we need to play a lot of one-on-one and lockdown football and make them accountable with the ball and uh, if we can do that that's going to create the turnovers the spillages and uh, and our inside 50 uh, entries to to get the score on the board yep mine's a I guess a similar tack I'm going to go with uh, forward efficiency um, I think we just need to make the most of our inside 50s. It's something that's hurt us, um, as we've spoken about a lot on the podcast through the second half of the year. We just need to make sure that when we actually win the bowl, uh, we make the most of it going forward. Um, the flankers need to be on their game. I think we're going to need big games from Monfries and Wingard. Um, and we need Schultz and Hoff to, to create some marking targets inside 50. Our marks inside 50 um, you know, has been outstanding all year. Um, we just need to make sure that when we actually take those grabs, we put it through the big sticks. The only thing I'd add is what I said earlier about 
we can't let them get a fast start. I think they get confidence mm. off a fast start and they like being five or six goals up and I just don't think we can put ourselves in that situation. We're going to be neck and neck into the second half where I think that's when we can accelerate. Don't be chasing five goals. Make sure we're one or two up and accelerating out into the second half. That's purely on the on the back of mindset. Love it. Yeah, I did like that call earlier. Mm. So who's going to win? Port Adelaide, my friend, and I'm going to go with 47 points because we're going to be five goals up at half time. I like it. That's a good call. Tim? Yeah, look, I've been spruiking it all podcast, so I'm going to have to finish off with Port Adelaide. And look, I'm, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go 49 points. Wow. <laughs> Two for <point> a <of> new rig. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to go Richmond. No, I'm going to go Port Adelaide this week. I think we're going to win at home. I think uh, the whole Guernsey debate um, is going to absolutely spur us on. We're going to come out firing. I think we're going to be four or five goals up at quarter time. Um and, uh, and not look back, and we will win by 23 points. Nice. Good call, Macca. Good decision. I'm glad this is a Port Adelaide podcast. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, it's like, in a way, I almost wish the AFL didn't play the, the Never Tear Us Apart. It would have been so satisfying to see the crowd sing be it. Able to just sing it without the music and do the big F you to the AFL and just go, you know what? You can try to control us, but you can't control us, and we're going to do it anyway. Um, right. You know that that would have been fantastic, and I'm sure it will come to that at one stage where we won't need the music anymore anyway. Look, the next game to talk about is Port Adelaide versus Nord. The old foes going up against each other in a second semi-final. I don't think it gets any bigger than that. Um, it's actually the 125th anniversary of the first Port versus Nord final, um, which was actually also the very first ever South Australian football final back in 1889. Um, the last time we met in the finals uh, was in 2008, the elimination final, which we lost by 21 points. And Tim, I yeah, think you would coach that day. <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. That's terrific of you. Yeah. Uh, it was a- chap called Taylor Walker did some damage to us that day. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, no, I didn't like that at all. It was a good final was uh, a good game. if uh, mm. you didn't barrack for either team. Mm. Um, but, yes, tragedy for us, not good at all. But, uh, yeah, he kicked seven that day. And uh, definitely I, I couldn't understand why Craig, he wasn't playing him. No. <laughs> he could have mm. played him and got him out of my sight. That would have been handy. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, yes, no, that were uh, too good on the back of what wasn't an incredible individual performance by Taylor Walker. But look, uh, it is, it's a bit of that. They beat us in the first game and did it well. Um, I don't think they lost any confidence in their narrow loss to us at Alberton. But I think our boys are a little bit fired up at the fact that they are probably very confident and maybe overconfident about their chances against us. And our guys are getting a little bit of a steely resolve with that feedback. So um, I'll probably get more of a, indication of that tomorrow night when I catch up with them but it's certainly been the coach's uh, um, view to me during the week Buddha Hocking and I know that he's really fired up for this second semi he wants to get straight into that grand final and uh, get the just rewards for what's been a great year so Port Adelaide for mine again So he wants to win he, he, uh, he's not just playing to develop the AFL players No look I think I think he may have been <laughs> trying to protect us from, <laughs> from a, a, a mindset and it sort of backfired on him because uh, <laughs> he said, no, that is not our stance and no, mm. you must go back and retract that. So that was, yes. I uh, thought he might get in a bit of trouble when he said it. Yeah. yeah. So no, he's, so he, is, he doesn't believe that, believe me. Is that your role? Is, like, do, you have, do you talk to the AFL boys as much or do you seem to have more influence with the, the Magpie players? Oh, see, yeah, quite a few of all of them now. Um, yeah, just about see the whole sort of Maggie's uh, squad, but all the AFL boys I'd see, you know, probably twice a week um, mm. on and off. And caught up with Jared Redden actually the other day. He's coming along all right. Um, really pleased to see him get signed for a year and said to him, yeah. come on, big fella, have a really good pre-season because 
We sorely need you. Absolutely. Uh, you Absolutely. are the missing link for us. One to give, obviously, that Loby that break in ruck, but he can go mm. forward and be dangerous. Yeah. When, you know, you go, okay, there's Schulze with two. Where's Big Reddo on his own? And he can mark it. He can pull it down and kick a goal. So, yeah. Yeah, so no, I do see a bit of him. Uh, Rick and, um, and all, all the lads. And, yeah, no, that's, it is terrific to sort of still have a connection with uh, yeah. with Magpies and, and the Power lads. Well, who's impressed you out of the Maggies this year, out of the younger guys? Uh, Robbie Young. And he's uh, oh, it probably... Hopefully for him, an opportunity to get drafted. But he's 20 years of age. He's worked really hard on his game. And talk about kicking for goal and making them count. He set shots, especially when we played Sturt at Unley, were just the difference between us winning and losing. Yep. And he kicked four straight. And he's a he's a real talent. But uh, now Robbie Young's been really impressive. Uh, actually enjoyed Anthony Beeman's coming over. I think mm. he's done a pretty good job and, and been a, a really good um, recruit as such in there. So he's he's been great. But... Uh, other than that, I've been keeping an eye on the academy squad as well and just making sure that there's some lads there that are developing. And unfortunately, they're really young and they've had some uh, had some touch-ups along the way, but uh, that's all part of learning and hopefully a couple of them can sneak through as listed players in, in the near future. That's it. Is young Darcy oh, still out there? My lad? Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, well, he's 16 and he was in the 18 squad and he... He, he uh, played most, mostly at school, but he got the last the last game for the 18s at Alberton and uh, played off a half-back and got in the best players in the last game. And it was fantastic. He was playing with Adam Marnie, which is Wayne Marnie's lad, and Mitchell Smith, which is Rowan Smith's lad. And oh. we had a little photo <laughs> of him after the game, which was fantastic to sort of commemorate that last 18s game. So, yeah, it was really pleasing. Oh, the new generation coming through. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, we hope so. A couple of father-sons, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Well, probably if you if you said mother's sons, because some of them mothers are pretty hard, I tell you, yeah, especially <laughs> mine. <laughs> I've got two names for you, um, which I think will be hopefully very influential for us against Norwood as well, but I've been very impressed with their second halves of the seasons, and they'd be Nathan Cracker and, and Brendan Archie. Yeah. Yeah, Archie, I, I reckon the thing I've noticed about him, Rick, is that it's taken a long time for him to, to develop. And mm. that sometimes isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, you get all these other guys that are almost instant, you know, they're within their first or second year they're playing. Uh, it hasn't been like that for, for Brennan. And, and I'm telling you, he's, uh, he's actually coming along really well. And some of the things I've noticed this year, I haven't seen in his game prior. So I, I'm hoping that uh, it becomes a real breakout year for him next year. Mm. Hopefully he gets a contract. Well, that's right. You've got to get those. They're handy. I know about that. Yeah. Well, I think he's done enough to deserve another year. Yes. Yes, definitely. And I I think as supporters, uh, I bang on about this all the time and people are probably sick about me banging on about it, but we seem to have unrealistic expectations of these young kids coming into the system, especially the underages. And, uh, you know, we expect them to be playing AFL superstar level in, in the first year. And if they're not, it's it's discard them and put them on the scrap heap. And, yeah, I think and it's when you they... Draft, they, they think you're a ready-made player, but drafting just means we're bringing you to the club. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the work about... starts from there. And what about Cracker? You've been impressed with him? Yeah, really good return. Really good return. And... Uh, Look, I don't know that another AFL club will, will pick him up, but, gee, he can be very, very serviceable at SNFL level because he's just he's got such a smart brain and he doesn't waste the footy. Now, if he pushes forward and he gets it in his hands, you know he's going to kick a goal. Uh, mm. No, I've always been impressed with Nathan. I, I, I was sad for him the way his, his uh, career finished up eventually at the Gold Coast there, but um, in life, is everything's more important in life and... And Nathan is uh, he's in a, in a much better place now, and 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 feeling good about himself and playing good footy. That's good. That's what's important. Exactly. I um wanted to ask you quickly too, Tim, about your new job role at the footy club. How are you enjoying it with the uh, corporate sales? 
Uh, absolutely loving it. I, I, I've only been there a couple of months, but I've got to say, I had some trepidation about taking the role on, being that, gee, you know how passionate I am about the footy club and mixing that with your employment with, with at work and all the rest of it. But I, uh, after the first day and or so where I felt a bit awkward about, I normally just pop in here and then go to a meeting and then, you know, shoot mm. off after. Um, it, it was weird. I was hanging around all day and, but then within a couple of weeks, I was going, gee, this feels great. And look at the moment, I'm just loving it. And, you know, we've had a couple of really long days, obviously getting prepared for the double letter final this weekend. And, uh, you know, you look at the clock and, oh, gee whiz, you know, she's 7.30, quarter to eight. But you, have, you haven't really, it hasn't been a struggle. <laughs> it's just <laughs> keeping up with it and, and actually enjoying you're not, it. You're I not sick of lattes yet, are you? Uh, no, I've, I've actually cut back my coffee actually working there, which has been, uh, which has actually been a, a bit of a, a, a miracle actually. So that's been good to tell you the truth. Yeah, but, yeah. And they even put me in the corporate cup team. So I feel welcome. No doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is it open slather for you? Like you, you deal with all the corporates or is there different groups that you deal with or how's, how does it work? Awesome. Local, local sales manager with uh, three guys that look after that. But uh, we're pretty much predominantly looking after all the Adelaide Oval hospitality, the LED signage, the big screen TV signage, and any sort of sponsorship from uh, our development squads through to our magpies into the AFL to really, if, if we found a joint major, fantastic, but that's not our charter. So um, mm. other people look after the, the, the top end of the Renaults and the EAs, but we, any, anything else that we can get up to probably a level of around about 300,000 is in our charter. So it's a, it's a big job. No, well, come to me in a few years' time. If you're looking That's for that it, much. Mate. That's it. I, <laughs> I, I thought it was, I thought you were going to ask me for like 300 bucks. Well, Will. <laughs> I thought that's why I was getting paid for this podcast. <laughs> Shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. That's been fun again, guys. I'm going to have to go. This battery's just about shot, boys. So. No, you're right. We're Absolutely pretty much fantastic. done anyway. Yep. Fantastic. Well, I've enjoyed it once again, and uh, we'll have to do it again. Maybe maybe post-season we do a uh, debrief. Yep. And hopefully yes, that's definitely. in about four weeks' time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Uh, Yes. Uh, love it. All right, boys. Go Port Adelaide. Yeah. Seabone now caught. Port Adelaide are beginning to build. Foster's kick is through half forward. Knocked away by Hodges. On the run.